Welcome to the Field Goals Podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz. It was a busy week for the Seahawks, and and maybe they aren't even quite done yet, but a lot of news on the defensive line. And so I'm bringing on John Fraley from Field Goals to talk about the news for the Seahawks. John, it's uh, it's been a week of news, and we have this website where it it compiles all the Seahawks news. I feel like we should talk about it. <laughs> it you know you say that they're not done, and they better not be done because they still have a couple more things to do. But they have done everything that we needed them to do early on, including not trading Russell Wilson, which was uh, <laughs> maybe their best uh, move. If you know, if <laughs> we're being honest, right? <laughs> Dare I say a smart move? Sometimes the best moves are the ones you don't make. I mean, uh, I'm having a hard time that- trying to decide though if I want to talk Seahawks or if I want to ask you if you got to see the flying balls of flames over <gasps> Seattle this evening. We have to spend a minute on this. Like that's like Elon Musk's rocket, like debris or something. Is what it ended up being, at least according to the official story that's the official story uh-huh we all know it's ufos first of all that's number one we, we need to establish that right off the bat it's ufos right i don't care what the people say don't be all alarmed we aren't alone <laughs> i well see i'm worried about the ufo thing but in this past week i've watched the movie rampage and i've watched the movie world war z so <laughs> I, I i'm kind of leaning toward the start of the zombie apocalypse but i'm really hoping for three uh, animals that grow to large sizes and and maybe take out a city, not Seattle, but I don't know. We'll just pick one, San Francisco. <laughs> just pick it. Wait, actually, the Seahawks have been demolishing San Francisco <laughs> in free agency, so that's perfect. We've done a great job or with that so far. We can send them to Glendale for uh, signing Malcolm Butler because they need to be destroyed for that. The Seahawks owned the uh, Cardinals on Twitter for that one too. They said, Oh, look at all the Cardinals in the Super Bowl on that day. Right. <laughs> <laughs> <That was laughs> you know, I, there's something. So social media is like, I should probably watch my language. Social media is a, it's a cesspool, but there are moments. <laughs> there's some, there's some good <laughs> and, moments. And that's what you, that's what you hope to be there for. When a couple of teams are talking some smack at each other, those are moments. That's I just want I want the Seahawks to sign Super Bowl MVP Santonio Holmes now. I know it's been 12 years since he got the game-winning <laughs> touchdown. I, I, I know he's like 37, but just bring him back for the season. If he only plays in the games against the Cardinals, that's fine. Let's just sign Larry Fitzgerald. Come on. We need a wide receiver three. <laughs> it's on the list. Supposedly he's retired. No, 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 no. He has he has retired, right? I'm not I, I like don't know. wrong about it. They signed AJ Green. That suggests that he's retired. But okay, well then, actually, this is all a ploy to get him to Seattle. Oh, I would love Fitz as the wide receiver three. He doesn't even need to catch more than like 20 balls. That's all. Yeah. Okay. So we, those are future moves that we're hoping for. Let's talk about the moves that they that they have made. Whatever. This week. Who cares about the moves that we made? The biggest news on Thursday is that Carlos Dunlap has re-signed with the Seahawks. Two years, a deal, reportedly $16.5 million, mm-hmm. $8.5 million guaranteed. That's the only number that matters. Right. And, yeah, because we see all these void years and some weird numbers, and uh, that's that's important. But one year, eight and a half, that's better for the organization, not necessarily for Carlos Dunlap, uh, than the one year, $14 million that he was set to make. 
it's another really great move by John Schneider, who appears to know what the market is going to be. And of course, he's helped out by the cap being a little bit lower this year. So people are reluctant to spend on a uh, older defensive end. But I mean, if you told me that you were going to sign Carlos Dunlap, like let him play out the last year at 14 million, I would have been perfectly happy. Absolutely. He would. He was a he was a game changer when he was in there, and defensive ends are hard to find, and pass rush is important. But now you're telling me we're just going to pay him eight five? Okay, that makes me feel a lot better because it's this, such a win. This week of news, John, was it? It felt like kind of a tease because you had the Benson Mayo signing mm-hmm. or re-signing, so he's coming back to the team, and you're thinking, okay, well that's nice, but that's not the name that I really want to hear. And mm-hmm. then you hear. Kerry Hyder coming to Seattle and you see a three years, $18 million deal initially reported. And you're like, Oh gosh, that's, that's a lot. And then you start to see the numbers that are coming out afterward. Yeah. It's, it's and you're less. like, that's not Dunlap either, but it's a nice move. I am so glad that Hyder is the second defensive end, maybe third when it's all said and done, right. but he was basically the top performing defensive end for the Niners. Once they lost Bosa, Bosa and, getting, and Solomon Thomas, right? And that's right. Oh, Solomon Thomas is overrated, but that's the difference. That's a different story for another day. Yeah. Um, to take someone from the Niners, first of all, feels great. The guy who led them in sacks eight and a half last year. And if he only has to be defensive end two on the team, then you are doing good. Maybe even three, depending on whoever, depending if Mayo, uh, Mayo pops again, depending if Daryl Taylor, who is a great unknown on the team, I am so I can't even express how excited I am about the Seahawks pass rush right now. I think they are set up in the short term, right? Because Dunlap is old, but they are really set up. I haven't been quite so excited about the defensive line since 2017, when uh, you, know, you had Richardson. You, yeah, Sheldon Richardson. You had Michael Bennett going into that season. Cliff Averill was going into that season. Now oh. there were a lot of things that happened. During that season, you had uh, Jaron Reed in 2017, too. Oh, that's and right. Jaron Reed is the one we got to get Jaron Reed. To, yeah. Yeah. We could talk about that now because the tweet, okay, the, the, the tweet today, it made it sound ominous that we would get news on Friday that Jaron Reed will either be cut or perhaps traded. Are they going to do the Raiders offensive lineman move? It, it kind is of that, feels like, doesn't it feel like do? that was the move? Like this is it, happening, people. Yep, it feels it feels like they whatever they don't want to pay him. They don't feel like he's worth the money long term. I understand that uh, someone will pay him. I think someone will be interested in interior. Everyone loves interior pass rush. I think someone will sign him, get that, put, give him that extension that he wants, which the Seahawks weren't willing, and the Seahawks get what like a fifth round draft pick out of it. Okay, that's not great, but. I mean, Chris Carson was a seventh-round draft pick. KJ Wright was a sixth-round draft pick. Ha ha! See how I segued us right into <laughs> right into KJ Wright. See how I did that. See how I did that. That kind of feels like the next bit of news that we should get right. It does. It does. What do you think? What do you think? KJ Wright coming back or not? Well, so Clinton and I we did a show a few weeks back, and we were talking mm-hmm. about the guys who would potentially be cut. And Carlos Dunlap was one of those guys that, like you said at the beginning. At 14 million, he just, we weren't willing to cut him. But one of the names on the list that we discussed was Jaron Reed. And the thought was that if you get rid of Jaron Reed or, or one of the, the other guys that we suggested that they could potentially move on from, 
that mm-hmm. you have to, for one, you'd have to be bringing Carlos Dunlap back. And for sure. you would have to be bringing KJ right back because that just it feels right. Oh, it feels right. But, oh, you know what made the Patriots so great, of course, last decade was moving on from guys like KJ Wright. I don't want – I want to keep him, by the way. I think he should stay. He should be a Seahawk for life. But you know what made the Patriots great was they were always willing to move on from those guys who were a little bit too old. They were, but I don't know. I don't know if KJ's there yet is oh, the I know, thing. I he know, just I had know, such I a know. good season last year, and we just saw Thomas Davis retire and I, I keep pointing back to the fact, John, that Thomas Davis was drafted the same year as Lofa Tatupu. And Lofa's been out of the league for how long? And Thomas Davis just retires oh. this year. So I'm thinking, you know, KJ oh. came like six years after Lofa. He could he could do it. I see here's the thing that I wrote last week, is that or earlier this week, is you could not pay me enough to make the KJ Wright decision. I just don't know. Right. I just don't know what to do with that. And I'm really glad that John Schneider, instead of John Fraley, is making the decision on what to do with that guy. Because on a, an emotional level, I could not stand to watch him play for like the Packers or something. Oh, seeing him in a Packer uniform would would make me puke. I'm, yeah. This is not hyperbole. I actually would I would I would turn on the TV on Sunday. I would see him in a Packer uniform. I would probably just have to rush to the toilet. That's, well, that's what would happen right there. <laughs> I I agree with you, and I don't even want to go down this this or this rabbit hole of all the teams that would make me throw up to see KJ Wright playing for. I, I, I don't, I'm not ready to have list. that conversation, John. It's every NFC team. There's some Except AFC ones Cardinals. that I can think about too. Except for me, the Cardinals who are destined to go eight and eight every year, eight or eight That's eight and one, perhaps. Eight, eight and one, <laughs> right? Yeah. If we have a 17 game schedule, they have to they have to find a way to go 500. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, yeah, right. Well, eight, a 17-game schedule is way better than the 16-game schedule because we're going to watch a game that counts in place of a game that doesn't count. That, to me, is good news. Because I think they're going to run a three-game three, three game preseason, which I think makes a lot more sense. Four games was never the right amount, in my opinion. Right. And uh, they were never going to back off from 20 sold games so if you're going to do 17 and 3 rather than 16 and 4 i'll take it i love it i want a game that counts over one that doesn't well john let's take a quick break coming up next i want to talk a little bit about i i I don't think i'm done talking about kj i don't want to talk about the teams that he might play for but I, I, i i do want to go back to this and also there was a lot of movement on the defensive line but there was some movement on the offensive line too we're going to talk about that coming up next Talking to John Fraley, contributor at Field Goals, and we are talking about all of the movement on the defensive line. There is also some movement on the offensive line. I said we're going to talk, KJ. Let's go here first. Cedric Abuehi coming back as the backup swing tackle for the Seahawks. Underrated backup tackle. I think I think he can hold his own. I think you don't want him starting 16 games, but I think if he has to start three or four or five, I think you're not in bad shape. You saw him give up only, and I uh, saw this on Twitter, so uh, it's obviously it must, it true. It was true. It has to be uh, true. They, this, whoever this posted only, it fact-checked it. They only let you post true things on Twitter. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever been on that, that site. Feels, that feels correct when you say that out loud. Well, just one pressure, one QB hit in the last three games. Yeah. Um, the guy can come in, and he can fill in for three or four games at a time. And 
those kinds of guys are valuable. And tell me another name on the offensive line randomly that you know off the top of your head of a guy who could be that backup tackle with. And hopefully he's not, you know, hopefully they're not paying him, you know, something crazy like George Fant money to come back and, and play that position. <laughs> but I I have some trust still in John Schneider that that was a reasonable contract that he's paying him. Yeah, I haven't seen any money, but I imagine, I mean, usually when they don't report it, it's probably not that big of a number. Backup tackles usually make the same amount of money, one or two million, maybe three, you know, right. If they're lucky, probably not as much as the starting fullback. (laughs) (laughs) At least we're not giving him juice check money. That's true. But he is, I did see that he's top four, uh, for fullbacks in the NFL. Belor? Belor Belor is. Yeah. Okay, good for him. You know what? Special teams matter. It and that does. guy is a beast. That guy's a beast on special teams. And I don't care what people say. Pete Carroll knows that special teams matter. And this reminds me. Yards. This reminds me. Corbin Smith, okay, he, put, go, 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 he posted go, go, go. the uh the projected opening day roster on Twitter. And a lot of people are giving Corbin a hard time because the Seahawks offense was backed up on the five yard line. And I wanted to tell people that was because Michael Dixon coffin cornered that punt and and backed him up because you know it, the special teams wasn't listed. It was Seahawks offense and defense, and so I I think that was Corbin's nod to Michael Dixon. I uh, I think the special teams were a big part of why the Seahawks went twelve and four last year. You had um, and won the division. The Seahawks won the freaking division last year. People forget this. I would like to say this one more time: the defending NFC West champions are the seattle seahawks they went 12 and 4 last year yes they lost in the playoffs when sorry you lose in the playoffs sometimes it's the playoffs they played poorly yeah they laid an egg okay i hate it too but they won the freaking division okay i'm done (laughs) (laughs) do you think that that's an important perspective for some fans to have when they look at a lot of these moves and say what are the Seahawks doing? All they're really doing is bringing back a lot of the same guys that they had last year. Where is the improvement? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Like all they're doing is just kind of staying pat at 12 and four. You know what? I, every year, give me 12 and four every year. I'll take it. I mean, it sucks that the 12 and four won't likely get you a buy, but 12 and four is good. <laughs> Winning the division is good. You're going to win those playoff games most often. Yeah, it was good uh, for top three in the NFC last year. And it wins you a division that's tough, especially with what the Rams have been doing in the offseason, you know, what the 49ers. I think the toughest thing to... The 49ers have given, given us all their good players, including Richard Sherman, but we should not talk about Richard Sherman yet. We should save that for another pot. We don't want to jinx that one. Should uh, we go back to KJ Wright? He's, he's coming here. Let's jinx it. He's coming here. He's coming back. He's coming back to Seattle. You know, we need another cornerback. You know, he's doing it. But let's not talk about that. Which which move <laughs> do you want more? Richard Sherman oh, resigning or KJ, right? Resigning. I want KJ. I want KJ back. Okay. But I said that quickly, but Sherman is a close second. I mean. Where's positional value, John Fraley, in this argument? Uh-huh. Right. Like linebackers, not so much with the positional value. But, I mean, KJ had a special year last year. He was he was not as good as he's ever been, but that was maybe like his second, in my opinion, that was like maybe a second or third best season. Whereas Sherman, you feel like the end is closer, right? <laughs> Sherman, you got like one. I think you can squeeze one more year out of him. 
I think I think you can do it. And why not do it here? Why not do it here? I think the the good news for KJ for for him re-signing back in Seattle is just this this trend that we're seeing of okay, Carson went out and tested the market. It wasn't as good as he thought it was going to be. Now he's coming back. Carlos Dunlap, such a great deal for the Seahawks. It's a really good deal for the Seahawks uh because like you pointed out in your article, you want good running backs, not bad ones. And Chris Carson's Even one of the good ones. Even though they don't matter that much, it's good to have good ones. <laughs> right. <laughs> I feel like that is the the bridge argument that uh, the running backs matter and the running backs don't matter. Crew can kind of get around is that, mm-hmm. okay, they maybe don't matter much, but you want a good one. That's mm-hmm. the middle ground. That's my brand. <laughs> <laughs> so we've seen that a couple of players now test the market, find out, okay, with 2021, the reduced salary cap, not that great. Now they're coming back to Seattle. I, I feel like that's good news for KJ Wright returning. I think so, but don't get my hopes up, man. Not everything can go right. I didn't think I was going to get Carlos Dunlap news this week, and now I'm I'm fired up. And that's I really am that too. to me. It seemed like the move that they they needed to make to have yes. a solid defensive line. I I just don't know. Are you? Are you comfortable enough with whoever they can find to fill in at the Jaron Reed spot, whether it's somebody on the team, Absolutely. whether Absolutely. it's a veteran? Puna Ford. Okay. Puna Ford. I am high on Puna Ford. I mean, he's kind of a, he's a trendy guy. Everybody likes him, but I, but I like him anyway, <laughs> even though, even though it's trendy, uh, he just has such an incredible motor. You remember how what made the 2012 and 2013 Seahawks part of what made them so great, like on a non-measurable level, on an intangible level? They had so many guys with chips on their shoulder, and I think that's a Puna thing. I think he, for his, for how short he is, for how people did undrafted, he was undrafted, right? Puna Ford undrafted, yeah. Yeah. So I think you gotta have those guys on your team that have the chips on their shoulder. And he's one that really personifies that. Carrie Hyder, Carrie Hyder, he he provides that element too. And I know I've seen people drawing comparisons to Michael Bennett, and I'm like, really? Come on now. Mm, 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 mm. But that's just over. That's too optimistic for me. It's it feels optimistic, but when you look at his career progression, out Michael Bennett, he was just coming to the end of his four years with Tampa. When he came back to Seattle, he, he was in Seattle as an undrafted free agent. I know. But Hyder's had some injury years in there, too. And so he's a, he's a little bit farther down the road. But Michael Bennett, he hit, what was it, nine sacks, I think, in that last season in Tampa. And he was kind of, mm-hmm. you you had that, you were wondering, okay, is that just a, you know, a, a one-off type thing? It turned out with Michael Bennett that it wasn't. And I, I just don't know with Hyder it feels more like it is in his situation versus Michael Bennett. Yeah. I just don't want to compare anybody to Michael Bennett. I just, I just respect him too much for that. I think he was too special of a lineman. If you want a guy who can bounce inside and outside. Yes. Pete definitely wants that. He's been searching for the Michael Bennett replacement ever since they traded him away stupidly. I mean, this is, I'm going to, I'm going to be mad at John Schneider forever for trading Michael Bennett for a fifth. That is, un, that is unforgivable. But, you take it, but you're going to take a fifth for Reed at this point. 
<laughs> Look, they're different people. <laughs> I, uh, I think that, uh, I think that if you can get somebody who approximates Michael Bennett, then, you know, you've done a really good job and maybe Hyder is that. I guess. Yeah, for for know. the I'm, depth and you know, we mentioned the initial contract being 3 years 18 million it turns out it's more like a 2 year contract 6 and a half. Yep. And that is a like contract. a perfect depth signing. Oh. The guaranteed money is all that matters and the Seahawks have just been crushing it on contracts that are low on guaranteed money. I feel almost bad for the players. <laughs> One thing before we get out of here though and sure. I'm it's kind of curious to me is that they had the opportunity likely to restructure Bobby Wagner, restructure Russell Wilson. They choose to cut a player on the defensive line that when you include the regular season in the playoffs had over eight sacks. I'm just not sure that they want Jaron Reed here long-term. Or they, they wanted, wanted they, him here long term at a certain number, and he didn't want to go to that number. And now, actually, yeah, you, yeah, I'm, I'm on board with that too. Yeah, I think both of those things are totally possible. You know, Schneider still's got one, one more big trade in him, right? Does right? he? Like that's how that's how he works, right? Like there's some big time receiver coming or something like that. And we're just not going to do the draft this year. <laughs> draft no, I mean, is overrated. Like, Let the 49ers <laughs> draft all the draft picks. Oh my God! We only have a two, a four, and a seven. Just I think it's send six. them all. It's six yeah, or seven. It doesn't matter. You have to talk to John Gilbert about that. He's the one who he's the know-it-all. Yeah. Who 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 knows it all? And he says seven. So okay. I'm going to just go with him until proven incorrect. Let's go with that. Six or seven doesn't matter. Yeah, right, right, right. But it's two, probably four, a six. I'm probably right. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, let me say LOL, even though I just did LOL. Uh. I think you could trade all, all three of those for a receiver, and you're good. Okay. There and then go. no draft. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? Take that, you take that weekend imagine? off. Yeah. <laughs> this, thank you, John. No, you know, and you know instead he's going to turn those three picks into eight. Somehow, right? Well, Jaron Reed's going to become a fifth. I mean, you can just quote me on that right now. Okay. He's going he's gonna to flip him for a fifth. So we have two, four, five, seven. And you trade the two back for two threes, and then you're set. Well, John, I will let you go so you can get working on that pre-write for fieldgoals.com <laughs> on how Jaron Reed has been traded for a fifth because you've already put it down. It's in the books. And what do you say? We get on out of here. I, I do want to promote, though, Friday evening, if you want to uh, hang out with us. This goes, this, you're welcome to this, to this too, John. I, oh, yeah. but, uh, to all the listeners, too. Clinton and I are going to be doing three in, three out live via locker room. So... Uh, lockerroom.app and you can follow me at Seahawkra and you can get notified when we go live and we are shooting for 5.30 p.m. Pacific time. John, I really want to thank you for coming on and uh, talking a little bit of Carlos Dunlap and defensive line. So excited. What a great day this was for the Seahawks. Look for John's work up at fieldgoals.com and until next time, go Hawks. Hawks.